We're holding in the Maral, coming to the end of his finish of the first Mishnah. And we saw how he divides everything into three categories, speaking to different elements of society. He speaks to the Chachamim, to the Dayanim. He speaks to the, the, the Tamil Chachamim, the ones who are learning. And he speaks to the general population. That's one way that it can be split up. And like the Maral said, either because of the loss of the level of the door, or because intrinsically, in the fact that people are people, and the cycle isn't complete, therefore the instructions given what were necessary for each element within the society to develop in its track, so to speak, a more full, a more complete cycle. Then it comes to a second declaration now also. And Maral says, Within the Torah we also find that it's broken into three different sections and the three instructions, the three pieces of advice that gave us can also be referring to the three different parts of the Torah. Why? The Torah is made up of three different parts, what we call the Chukim, what we call the Mitzvahs, what we call the Mishpatim. What is each one? So this distinction isn't a Chiddush of the morale, it's discussed by many, many in the Farshim. And the idea is there's some Mitzvahs in the Torah, which, even though they're mentioned in the Torah as being Mitzvahs, but they're things which are bad and logical. And if that's the case, any society has to have a legislature which makes provision for such cases because it's based on the normal understanding of logic. And one can't steal, one has to pay back his workers, the one can't keep something entrusted to them for safekeeping. Most of the doors of the Mishpatim, most of the halachas of Mishpatim are things which the Seichel is Mechaib. That's one element of the Torah. Sometimes it's called Mitzvah's Sichliyas, or given other names, but the Mishpat is something which is the seichel of a person can come to as well. And indeed, most countries in the world, even those very far from appreciating or accepting the Torah, but for some, to some extent, have some kind of legislature to govern the practice, financial practices between, in, between people, because it's logical. The other extreme is the chayk. A chayk is something where the Torah doesn't give a reason for. We would never think of keeping it without the Torah telling us to keep it, and even once the Torah told us to keep it, we don't have a, a reason really why the Torah forbade it, or why the Torah instructed it. That's not to say there aren't reasons, or there aren't explanations, but at the end of the day, the parameters are chukim. Not things which we can explain, and uh, we accept what the Torah says, that's all we know. For example, the halachas of Tumma Torah. While one Tommy entity is only with Tommy what attaches, and a different Tami entity is also the Tami what it carries. And a third one is the Tami, the same, so to speak, the same oil, the same structure in which it finds itself together with another person. What are the reasons for that? And therefore, can we extrapolate to some new case? Not really. Because since we don't understand fully the parameters of the Chukim, so we accept what the Torah tells us. And then the third category is what he calls mitzvahs. Mitzvahs aren't mishpatim, mitzvahs aren't chukim. The, the definition of a mitzvah 
is something which we would not have thought of doing necessarily without the Torah telling us. But once the Torah has told us, so now we can understand it. And we can understand the reasons for it, we can understand the parameters of it, and therefore we can expand it further. For example, the mitzvah of Shemitah. It's not something which the Seichel would be mechaib on its own, and therefore without the Torah you wouldn't be keeping Shemitah. On the other hand, it's not a chayk. It's something which we can understand. And therefore, once we've been given the mitzvah of the Torah, we can work on understanding what the, the underlying principles, or what the logic, or the implications of Shemitah are. And therefore, he says, those things which are logical. The opposite is a chukim which don't have a clear reason. The middle category is the mitzvahs which aren't understood on their own, like the mishpatim. They aren't beyond our understanding of the chukim. One can explore them, learn them better, therefore, and uh, come to an appreciation of the gedarim, of the rules, of the principles of the mitzvah, by what we can understand. And therefore he says, When the Torah talks about the various different categories of instructions Hashem gave us, it breaks into three. Mishpatim, Mitzvah, and Chukim. And he wants to, says the Maral, Therefore, the, the three pieces of advice that Anshinesh give us really are talking to us in how to metakin these three things. Why? Which are really based on logic, on understanding. So therefore, what a person needs in order to be able to come to a clearer conclusion, ruling, in cases of mishpatim, in cases of of many cases, for example, is the logic, the mishp- which is what defines the laharach. And therefore, if we want a person to ensure that what they're saying is logical, in in the highest sense, the eighth is like we saw previously with Mesilim Bedin. Because the more a person thinks something through and it can weigh up in his mind, is it logical or illogical, the more a person will come to the logical conclusion. Now that sounds very straightforward. There's really something very deep to Maral saying over here. And that is, on the one hand, a Mishpat is logical. And even without the Torah, it's something which a society would have to enact because it's, it's understood that there needs to be a basis of laws which govern finance, which govern the way people interact with each other. But the Chiddusha is, is that even after the Torah instructs the Mishpatim, the underlying feature of Mishpat remains. Which means, now that the Torah has told us that there's a principle of Dinim, as a principle of Mishpatim, as a principle of, of that we, the basis of to judge cases regarding money, whether it's cases of stealing or appropriation of property or, or or any other money-based halacha, the guiding principles of the halacha are still going to be logical. 
because the Torah, so to speak, makes a mitzvah or makes a chiyuv based on logic. The Torah doesn't add new parameters to the din. And that's why if a person learns Hashem Mishpat, they'll see that most of the discussions revolve around what's logical, and what's understood and what's accepted and what makes sense to us. That's going to be the basic principle of most of the din of Hashem Mishpat. And what's expected and what's, like we say, reasonable to, to, to assume happens. And based on that logic, we're going to Paschal The Uri Matumim, in his introduction to his work in Choshim Mishpat, Uri Matumim, he asks a very interesting question. And he says, Hare, we have a principle in the entire Torah, that any time we have a mitzvah daraisa, and we have a question regarding a daraisa, the Allah always is, Safik daraisa lahachmi. So if we have a question, if something is, let's say, mutar asr and Shabbos, and it involves the Melacha, we're going to say, since it's a Torah-based prohibition, we have to, in the case of, even in the case of Safik, we have to be machmi. And if that's the case, he asks, why are the rules which govern Sveikas and Mominus based on what's more logical, based on Chazakas, based on Motim Chaver whoever keeps it without proof to the contrary can remain keeping it? We're dealing with the Suffolk Deraisa. If, if there's a possibility the money doesn't belong to me, then maybe I'm stealing it. And if that's the case, the fact that there's a Deraisa at stake here should therefore determine in the case of a Suffolk Deraisa, we should go to Chomis. In the case of Sabbath Torah, so if it's even a Havimina, there's even the smallest possibility that maybe I'm guilty of owing somebody else money, or of taking something which doesn't belong to me, so I should make sure not to take it, or to return it. Now it's true, one could argue, that that's a Makhlaikis, but that argument is circular, because it goes past the both of them. Uh, just like if there's a, a question, maybe the money doesn't belong to the defendant, and therefore the Sabbath Torah, so maybe should give it to the claimant, and the Suffolk works the other way around too. And that is maybe it doesn't belong to the claimant. And if that's the case, if it's a Suffolk Teresa, maybe he should make sure to drop his claim because maybe he'd be stealing by taking it. So it's true that the argument goes in both directions, but it doesn't really answer the question fully. Because if we reword the question, and that is a person who's in a situation where he has money whether the Suffolk it belongs to him or not, and this individual wants to do the right thing, are we going to advise him that he should he should pay the Khumra? Because we're talking about a Suffolk Teresa. And if he wants to be clean from any vestiges, any small trace of Gezel, then he should pay Misafik so as not to be touching Issa Teresa. And the Torah's answer is no. Why? Because he says, when it comes to Mominus, let's understand the principle, when it comes to Mominus, the mitzvah doesn't define the parameter of the halacha. The logic defines the parameter of the halacha, and the mitzvah says we now mitzvah to do what's logical. And therefore, if based on the principles of mamonis, the logic will tell us this person doesn't have to pay in this case, then there's no side of the tigzah. If the logic will tell us this person will have to pay, then there will be an issue of the tigzah for him not to pay. We will hold on to something which is not meant to have. But the Lotigzal, the mitzvah of the Torah only comes, so to speak, to give strength to the, the logic which defines the halacha. And therefore, if the Sothic is something belongs to me or not, but I happen to be holding on to it, 
And therefore, the logic tells me that if you're holding on to something and we have no compelling argument to take it away from you, then we leave it where it is. Then even if I would come to Basin and say, but I'm scared, maybe there's a suffix that belongs to the other person. Maybe I'll say, Chumrah of Leitigzal should give it to them. The Allah is, no, you shouldn't. Because Leitigzal means, once the logic has decided that this person is meant to pay, if you don't, you're stealing. But once the logic will decide that you're not meant to pay, then there's no suffix as far as the Torah is concerned here at all. Then the halacha is you don't have to pay and there's been no things to at all. And that's the yesod here. The mishpatim are logical even after they're enshrined in halacha. The halacha just is that what the logic defines or dictates, that's what a person is required to do. And therefore, when it comes to on what basis are Chazal going to rule, are Dayanim going to rule in the case of Mamanus? Based on logic. And therefore the advice to them is have a Muslim Bedin. Make sure that the argument you're saying is really logical. Because that's what Halakh is going to ride on. That's the first category of mitzvahs, the Mishpati. When it comes to the second category, he says, like we saw previously, the fact that there are more people learning increases the understanding of the topic. There are more angles to explore, there are more points of view, there's more of a general knowledge everyone can pull to the table. And therefore, if we're coming to, to understand something based on our knowledge of the topic, the more people who are knowledgeable on the topic who take part in the discussion, the clearer our, our overall knowledge will be. And that applies to mitzvahs. Why? Because like we saw, mitzvahs are something that the Torah gives us, we wouldn't have thought of it by ourselves, but now that the Torah has given it to us, now we can try and understand the rationale. But in order to do that, the more details we know about this mitzvah, about Allah's which pertain to it, the better we're able to understand it. Let me explain what I mean. Let's talk about Shabbos. If all a person knew about Shabbos is that there was an issue to the Melacha, a person can't work, a person can't do activity, then we might think that the, what's the gather of Shabbos, what's the reason for the mitzvah of Shabbos, as indeed the people who do think like that, and that is, HaKadosh Baruch wants to take a vacation. We shouldn't be working too hard. Six days we work, and the seventh day we shouldn't burn out, we shouldn't go overwork. We, we're instructed to take it easy. And if a, if a person's knowledge of Shabbos was that limited to just knowing you can't do Melacha, he might think of a Sephara like that as the gather of the Thursday. Now we know it's wrong, because there's more to Shabbos than that. There's a concept of the Kedusha of Shabbos, and there's a concept of the Kavod of Shabbos, and there's a concept of the Mitzvah Saseh of Shabbos, and therefore we don't think of Shabbos as a vacation. We understand Shabbos is a day where we're meant to focus on Ruchnis. Shabbos is a day where we're meant to see the Bria, the way Hashem wants us to see it, and not be caught up in the activities which take up our time the whole week. But the more we understand the Pratim, the details of the Mitzvah of Shabbos, so the more we can understand the underlying Svar. And therefore, when it comes to mitzvahs, the better we can learn and understand the content of the mitzvah, the more we're able to understand its application. And therefore, the answer here is, the more people learning it, the better we'll know about it, the more we'll know about it, and therefore, the better we'll be able to understand it. Because when it comes to a mitzvah, we can't define the logic on our own. We have to see all the points and all the pratim the Torah gives us, and based on all that knowledge we have of the topic, now we can try and understand what the gather, what the logic, what the parameters of the mitzvah are. 
That's the second chilek. Okay, negative chokim. She'ain am adalem klal k'lekach nikru chokim. When you come to the third chilek, which is the chokim, which we can't come to an explanation for, we can accept what the Torah tells us, but we can't explain the rationale because there isn't one which is given to us. That's why it's a chok. So we instructed to keep even without an understanding of it. Since the parameters of the chok aren't as known, therefore we're going to have to be more careful in making a gather not to do something which is also. Because here we can't apply logic and say it makes sense, this is mutter. It makes sense, it's not mutter. It doesn't make sense. All we know is what the Torah tells us. And in the case we don't know what the Torah tells us, then our only recourse is to make a siyak. And that is, don't do it because it might be also. And so I'm putting forward a logic saying it doesn't make sense to me, isn't really an option by a chok. Because it's not based on our logic to start with. And that's why with that when it comes to the concept of a rice, we find there's more of a concept of a siyog, because the svaras of a rice are not known. The Torah gives us mitzvahs, the Torah gives us halachas, and we're left wondering what's the we, a rationale we don't have. For example, the Torah forbids a person to marry his aunt, but allows him to marry his niece. In terms of relationship, it's, a, it's the identical distance from the person. That's the second degree relative in both directions. The Torah allows a person to marry his wife's sister, but the Torah doesn't allow a lady to marry her, her, her husband's brother. What's the difference? It's the same degree of relationship. This is the sister-in-law, this is the brother-in-law. And therefore we don't have svaras for that eyes. And therefore we we bound by what the Torah tells us we know about. And in a case that we don't know, we'll have to make a siyog. We'll have to make a get there because otherwise we, we're not going to... We're not going to have a clear explanation of what's right and what's wrong. When we know the reason for something, we don't need to be careful in the case of a suffix so much and make boundaries for it. People will make mistakes because they understand the reason for the mitzvah. They understand the principle for the mitzvah. And therefore they'll be able to understand themselves where it applies and where it doesn't apply. But where we have something which is the, the reason isn't known and the principle isn't clear. In a case like that, then we need to make the parameters. This is really looking at the same split of things into the three levels. Just instead of looking at it from the point of view of the people involved, it's looking, looking at it from the point of view of the Torah and the discussion. And now he's going to finish in the last paragraph. The Maral tells us, a further explanation of this separation into the three levels as regarding the Torah. The reason why it says they said three things, and this should say the things they said, the reason is three. Three means it's limited. They gave these three things, and that covers all the bases they wanted to cover. So this is what there is, the the advice that the Chachom gave us here was like most of the advice you're going to see throughout your Kavos. The Teichachot, the admonitions of the Chachomim, and that is Shehem Lehashlim is the Adam Bechold Tzad. Whatever aspect of the person they're coming to deal with, they're covered from all different sides. And that's the advice given to the person how to 
complete himself, master himself in that particular area. And therefore, and this is the principle of the Mara we will see many many times in Brickovis. The idea of three means both ends, both extremes, and the midpoint between those extremes. And therefore whatever middle we're talking about, the tikkun is the one extreme, the other extreme, and the midpoint which is in between them. And therefore here also the Shakhtar when they said three things, we were talking about the three halakhim of the Torah. And we have exactly the same thing here, the two extremes and the middle point. And therefore, what Anjaknesak Dara were coming to Metakin was our, our level of understanding Torah. And that they said, That's the absolute halach. The halach which is based on logic, like we said, that's the mishpat. And if it's, if it's truly logical, then everybody should come to the same logic. So that's a din which is unanimous. The Gemara says in Gitan on Dazayna with base. The Gemara says that if a person makes mistakes in the Sfarah, in logic is not an Aram God. And they ask a question on that. Because we find most of the arguments between the Chacham were on logic. And if that's the case, but well, each one's considered the other not to be an Aram God. How can that be? And the answer is that there's a difference between something which is a logic which everybody should accept if their logic is straight. It makes sense, and to anybody who's thinking logically, it will make sense. And a person who can't see that, he's not an Aram Gadol. There's something wrong with the way he's thinking. And therefore, when we come into something which is based on Din, and we say, Muslim din because the Din, which is a result of what's logical, there can't be an argument about. There can't be an argument about. If it's logical, it's logical. So that's what he calls the Din comment, one extreme. And the, uh, the opposite extreme is a rule by the Chukim, and it is make a boundary. When we say make a boundary, it's not that the boundary is the halacha, and that now that we're defining it, this is what the halacha of the Torah is, it's the opposite. We don't know the halacha. And therefore, in a case where we don't know the halacha, the boundary comes in place of that. And then it says, therefore, when we don't know, we make a siyak. And this we see so many times in the poskim that in cases we don't know the gather of the halacha, we don't know how to implement it. So now we're going to say, therefore we can't do it. Not because we've now paskined it also. It's a problem of Matthias. We don't know what to do. Or we don't know what the gather is. And therefore, for lack of ability to come to a den, to come to a psak, you're going to go to Chumrah. For just an example out of many, many examples. There's a den in Hilchus Pesach. That if a person takes flour and throws it into boiling water, it's not going to become chametz because the water is so hot that it will boil it, it will cook it before there's a chance to rise. It's called chalita. And therefore the Gemara says chalita is mutar on Pesach. One can boil raw flour in water on Pesach. Come along the post and they say, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how thick the flour can be, we don't know what stage is considered fully cooked. And therefore halacha lemaisa, chalita is also on Pesach. Yeah, the Gemara said it's mutter. How can we argue with the Gemara? The answer is, we don't argue with the Gemara. We don't know what the Gemara did. And therefore, we are making a siag. We're making a siag because we don't know what the exact parameters of how to do this are. Therefore, we're going to say it's awesome. That's the opposite. It's not a din. It's in a case where we don't have the din, we're going to make a siag. And in the middle point between those two things, he says, is the mitzvah. 
ואמר המילה תמיד עם הרבה, לבר התורה, כי אין זה כמו הדין שהדין מחויב. אלא כל, שיודעים שככה חייב בדין, וככה דין נעשה לפי שכל האדם. It's not like a din in which everybody has to agree that this is the cycle, this is logical. Here it's based on the, what we see the Torah says, and how we're going to based on that a logic in the... It's not the logic, so to speak, by itself. It's the logic based on the details the Torah gives us. And in this, there's different ways of seeing it. A person can put it together one way, a person can put it together a different way. And here there's a, there can be a machlokas. Because here we're trying to extrapolate the logic from the facts we know, and then if that's the case, it's not, there's not only one way to do it. And therefore here we can have differences of what the din is meant to be. And we said before, this is the kind of cases we find makhlaikasim in logic. It's not logic on its own. Is a mega logical or illogical? We don't find the makhlaikas like that. Is the principle of chazak or roiv logical or illogical? We don't find the makhlaikas on that. But when you're talking about how to use the parameters the Torah gave us and construct the logic, then we can have arguments because that's something which is logic based on what we know. As opposed to logic by itself. And therefore there can be differences there. The Mishpat, like we said, something which is based on logic, a person's mind will mechaiv, because it has, there's no other way of looking at it. Whereas even though the mitzvahs, of course, they mechaiv a person, but it's not Mechai of the Seichel. Because there isn't, it's not clear in only one side to how a person can understand the Mitzvah. There could be different ways to understand the Mitzvah, which will lead to different conclusions. If that's the case, we need Hamilu Tamidim Harpe. Because the more details and the more Pratim and the more information we have will help us refine and, so to speak, fine-tune our understanding. So those are the two extremes. The Mishpat on the one side, the Choyk on the other side, the Mishpat, where we can offer a definitive ruling which can't be argued with. The Chayk, where we don't have a definitive ruling, and therefore for lack of knowledge we have to go to Chumrah. And the case of a Mitzvah, where we can try to come to a ruling, but it's understood that there could be other ways of seeing it as well. which is the middle. And that's the point of having many Talmidim. Therefore, on the topic of the Ashkenazic Torah, we're trying to teach us. And that is how to apply the Seichel of Torah to all different parts of the society or all different parts of the Torah. They give us these three rules. That encompasses all of them. The chukim are completely unknown. The mishpatim are things which are completely based in seichel, and the mitzvahs are in the middle between them. And they finish the one last point on that. And that is, you know, recently I met someone from Bnei Brak, and he told me that he sees that the tendency of Rabbanim in Bnei Brak is much more never shared to be machmir, and the tendency of Rabbanim in Shalayim is much more to be mekel. Now I don't necessarily think that's true. The machmirim in Shalayim and the mekelim in Bnei Brak, it's nothing to do with the place. But on the principle, what's the bigger maila? To be machmir or to be mekel? And the answer to that question really is it depends why a person is being machmir. 
sometimes a person's learned the sogya and they come out that there's a reason to be machmir and that's okay, that's the correct thing to do. But sometimes a person decides to be machmir because he's not sure. And he can't he doesn't come to has doesn't have a clear definition and therefore that's the case. It's the easiest and safest route is well, if you don't know, better safe than sorry. And therefore be machmir because I'm not sure I can be maker. I don't know well enough to be maker. And that's the Gemara always says, Because in order to come to a decision something is mutza, a person has to have the clarity that he knows well enough that he's, what he's saying is correct. Whereas when a person wants to be machmir, it could come from a place that he's decided this is the halach in which case of course, that's a psak. But sometimes it comes from a place of ignorance or of uncertainty that a person doesn't have that clarity, in which case it's not such a matter. That's the difference if it's coming as a chayk, which means when we don't know what to do, we go to khumra as a siyad, just to be careful. What's coming is what we called before uh, a mitzvah, which means having learned the topic, we understand that this is the result. And if that's the case, it's not just a precaution or taking a, a, a stance of being careful because we don't know. Then it's really a halacha, which is what comes out of what's being learned. As I said previously, that's the mokum where there can be mechlekesim. Whereas the person is something which is completely a mishpat and completely based on logic, when it comes to the, the logic and that's the factor which determines the halacha, then, then there isn't a makam to argue. So that brings us to the end of the moral discussion on the first mission of